Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. So as much as I want to dive into the Ime Udoka situation with the Boston Celtics and the potential for him being suspended for the entire season, especially because there are a lot of, at this point as I record this, a lot of details that have been confused and therefore have given a misrepresentation of who's involved here. And the biggest question for everybody is why a season-long suspension for a consensual affair, which anybody who's been around the NBA as much as I have knows has happened more than a few times and the penalty never approached a full-season suspension. I can't talk about that right now. And I want to make good on my promise in the last podcast to talk about the Phoenix Suns and the anticipated fallout from majority owner Robert Sarver being suspended and fined, including how Draymond Green has weighed in on the situation. Uh, so the the subject is a bit murkier now that Sar- Sarver has announced he is willing to sell the team and is in the process of finding prospective buyers. And I also want to address something I heard some of my media colleagues say about Seattle Seahawks fans when they booed former Seahawk quarterback Russell Wilson upon his return with the Denver Broncos for the season opener. So that's where I'm going to go rather than deal with the Ime Udoka situation. Maybe in the next podcast, maybe uh, in the next day or so, I'll be able to get into all of that. But I'm going to have to put that to the side for now. And I hate to tease you with that there are things that I know that I'd like to share, but that's just where I find myself right now because it's this type of subject is, I always weigh on, is it affecting what happens on the court? Now, obviously, if he's suspended, yes. The details of why he's being suspended really have to kind of reflect on, do I want to get into that? Because we're talking about people's personal lives and people who aren't necessarily in the public eye like Ime is. So 
hate to be vague on all of that, but I just have to be. So, uh, also a follow-up to the last podcast in which I gave two win total lines that those interested in wagering might want to take advantage of. Uh, There's a piece that will go up on foxsports.com where I added three more. The synopsis, bet the under on the Brooklyn Nets line of 50.5 wins. The over on the Toronto Raptors winning 45.5. The under on both the San Antonio Spurs and Oklahoma City Thunder reaching 23.5 wins. And the under on the Lakers reaching 45.5. Now, for further explanation, check out the piece. It's not out yet, but it will be soon. And I'll give you a sixth one now, just because I'm generous and it dovetails. Bet the under on the Phoenix Suns at 53.5. Even with Sarver's willingness to sell, the one-year suspension and $10 million fine is going to hang over that team like a dark cloud this season. Not because of Sarver's absence, but because of the feeling that it was barely a slap on the wrist for being accused of mistreatment of Suns employees. And that's coming from people who have been or are in the organization. I don't know that his willingness to sell changes a whole lot because it's not going to happen tomorrow. And his statement reeks of someone who feels he is being unfairly persecuted and is not the least bit apologetic or remorseful for his actions. I can't imagine Chris Paul who spoke out about the penalty not being severe enough, is going to feel significantly different about playing for a team technically owned by Sarver this season. I am, I was told by, by one GM, he believes Chris Paul, the reason that Sarver is even entertaining selling the franchise is because Chris Paul went in and said to uh, the other partners, it's either him or me. And the combination of that with losing the PayPal sponsorship and the anticipation that they might lose a few more was simply too much for the other part owners to bear. But none, nonetheless, Sarver, as of now, and potentially for the rest of this season, uh, could remain the owner, uh, or at least majority owner, of the team. So whatever success they have, is still going to benefit Sarver. Now consider what happened to the Houston Rockets after the players became aware that Tillman Fertitto was a Trump supporter. Basically, abandoned ship. Everybody wanted out. And they've been at the bottom of the Western Conference ever since. I don't know how aware fans are of sports franchises being as fragile as they are. But the difference between winning and losing is amazingly thin. Players who aren't all in on playing where they're playing or who they are playing for can have a profound effect. The extra work, focus, and dedication is not there. How do the Suns pursue a championship with a clear mind and a full heart, knowing that it means Sarver gets to call himself a champion too? That winning a title raises the value of the franchise he owns. Now, all that can be enough to knock a team several pegs below its potential on paper. The Suns have the talent 
to win 50-plus games. But I assure you, they don't have the same will they had the last couple of seasons. LeBron James weighed in on the penalty, not being nearly severe enough, in one of the most eloquent, well-stated tweets I've ever seen from him. So many times his tweets sound like he saw, heard, or read something and immediately grabbed his phone and just tweeted out whatever he was thinking or feeling. And for those of you saying, yeah, so, that's what Twitter is for. No, that's what gets people in trouble on Twitter. Even people with far less notoriety and far fewer followers than LeBron. That's what got our former president banned from the platform. I simply wish... LeBron would use whatever process he used to produce his Sarver tweet all the time. He has too much influence to be reckless with it. And LeBron was very shrewd in how he worded his tweet. He didn't mention Commissioner Adam Silver or NBA owners. Now, I could be cynical and say that's because he has his eye on joining their ranks as part owner of the Las Vegas franchise. And he doesn't want to upset anyone who might put the kibosh on that. But even if that's so, it's still shrewd on his part. He said there's no place for misogyny and racism in any workplace. And that's what the independent investigation requested by the NBA into Sarver discovered. And he pretty much stopped there. Except once Sarver announced that he was looking to sell the team, then LeBron doubled down and said, this is why I love being part of this, this league. Uh, again, I can't fault him. Kind of know, kind of believe why he's doing what he's doing, but all of it, well played. Draymond Green, on the other hand, was not as circumspect. Talking on his podcast, he basically challenged the owners to vote on kicking Sarver out of the league. Now, the requirement is that three-fourths of the owners have to vote yes to get one of their own booted. That's what happened with former Clippers owner Donald Sterling several years back when a recording of him asking his black girlfriend not to bring her black friends to the game became public. Now, Sterling had a long history of indiscretions with people who worked for the Clippers and in his business dealings outside of the organization. And there's a whole other conversation to be had about why the recording tipped the scales. The bottom line, what Sarver was found guilty of, using the N-word and mistreating female employees in a variety of ways, would appear to be far more egregious than what Sterling did. So why was Sarver spared? I suspect two reasons. One, the other owners have skeletons in their closets. And Sarver is of the temperament that he might just have been willing to burn the house down, metaphorically, if he was kicked out of it. Some of it is simply a function of who they are. They preside over vast enterprises, which means they have authority over thousands of people, which means they probably made decisions that some of those people disagreed with. Some of those people were women or minor minorities. Some of those women or minorities are going to feel discriminated against. Some of them very well may have been. Give anyone enough money and power and they can easily slip into the mindset that they are above the law or that their pursuit of more money and more power demands being cutthroat or uncivil. I say none of this to excuse the behavior. It's not excusable. It's not acceptable. It needs to be brought to light. I don't know if or where or when we'll get there, 
but I do know the most insulated from adhering to fairness and equality or the, or decorum are the most powerful people in any society. And that's NBA owners and ours. All of which is why booting Sarver would have set a precedent that might put the other owners in danger of being kicked out as well. And that is not anyone with an NBA team wants to experience. Especially right now, because they are about to come into an incredible windfall of money between the new broadcasting rights deal and the anticipated addition of two expansion franchises. I mentioned one of them already, Las Vegas. Seattle is supposedly going to be the other one. From what I'm hearing, it's already lined up. It's just a matter of when. We're talking potentially $10 billion to be divvied up 30 ways. That's $333 million and change for every ownership group. Which, as an aside, makes Sarver's $10 million fine look laughable. You'll notice that Draymond didn't say the other owners should vote to force Sarver to sell his team. He said he wants them to vote on the subject so we can see the numbers. As in, how many owners would vote against making him sell his team? And I imagine Draymond would want the owners to identify themselves. Warriors owner Joe Lacob included. The point is moot now that Sarver says he's willing to sell. Which, again, I'd hold off celebrating until it happens. We just saw what happened with Elon Musk and Twitter. Draymond was playing a dangerous game. Holding the owner's feet to the fire as a soon-to-be free agent. Celebrate him for being a rebel if you want. But the general consensus among the executives I've talked to is if the Warriors have to let go of someone because of cost-cutting measures, it's Draymond. Yes, he's an an indispensable part of their championship formula. But the second it's clear that the Warriors have exhausted their run, that changes. And I know Warriors fans are convinced another dynastic run has begun with last year's title. People in the league don't see it that way. Not unless James Wiseman or Jonathan Kaminga take a Jordan Poole-like leap this season. And if they do, then those are two more big-ticket players they're going to want to keep in the fold and have to pay. Now, whose thinking is wishful, the Warriors fans or league execs? We're going to find out. In any case, I hope Draymond understands that going at NBA owners is risking his future playing or performing for one of the league's broadcast partners. Colin Kaepernick never intended or expected to get booted from the NFL. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oscar Robertson was ostracized from holding any sort of position with a team or a broadcast partner because he was instrumental in forming the first players union. Why do you think J.C. Treader, the 
Cleveland Browns center and NFLPA president doesn't have a job despite being ranked the fifth best center in the game by Pro Football Focus. All of those guys challenged the status quo, challenged ownership in one way or another. If Draymond is prepared to be a podcaster and land with a platform other than TNT, so be it. There's actually a freedom in being with one, as I have discovered with Fox. I don't have a problem with Draymond speaking out. I just hope he understands what he's doing. I wonder if simply suggesting that the owner should be held accountable for Sarver will have consequences. I'm not saying there should be. I'm just saying there could be. And I hope that Draymond is aware of that and has planned accordingly. Before I wrap up, I want to talk about the surprise, disappointment, and disgust some of my media colleagues expressed over Seattle Seahawks fans booing quarterback Russell Wilson when he returned to face them with his new team, the Denver Broncos. Now, I'm not one who generally boos, especially players and coaches, although I have to admit, I did it when the referees blew two calls in my son's college football game last weekend. I was there in person. The calls, I wouldn't have booed if I was just sitting in my living room watching him. Now, the calls didn't affect the outcome. His team won handily, and they didn't involve him. But they took away two spectacular plays by players who generally don't play a lot, and both involved calling the players out of bounds when they were clearly not when I saw it the first time in real time and as replays on the scoreboard clearly showed after the fact. So I have done it, but I generally don't. And I don't do it when it comes to players. Now, it took me a minute to figure out why the criticism of Seahawks fans bothered me so much. And it's because there are instances where fans are out of line or unfairly brutal. 10 years ago, 49ers punter, uh, punt returner Kyle Williams fumbled twice in the NFC Championship and it led to the 49ers losing to the New York Giants. Williams received death threats. That's way over the line. No player purposely screws up his team's chances and certainly nothing that happens in a game warrants threatening someone's life. That's not what happened with Wilson. And that's not what the Seahawks fans did. Suggesting that booing Wilson was uncalled for is suggesting fans should have been grateful for his years of service that he provided over his 10 seasons in a Seattle uniform and ignore the circumstances that led to him being traded to the Broncos. That they should ignore how some of his former teammates, most notably Richard Sherman, felt about him. Which is that Wilson hijacked the team for his own goals and that it contributed to the team's downfall. Fans want to believe a player cares about their team as much as they do. That's been my experience. So, if they challenge how the team is being run, the player that is, if they make do this or else demands, they better come through and make good on those demands by delivering wins. 
We've seen both sides of this equation with LeBron James. He's made those demands, and he's come through. And all of the demands have been A-OK with the owner, uh, with the fans. There's been times where he's made those demands, has not come through. And what has been the response? LeBron screwed up our team. So, Russell Wilson did not come through. He demanded that he be paid like an elite quarterback. He demanded that they change offensive coordinators. He demanded that they structure the offense so that it played to his strengths, which the Seahawks did, at least to a certain extent. And he still didn't seem to be satisfied or happy, even though those are pretty extreme concessions for a football team to make especially for a quarterback who didn't even necessarily play the biggest role in their Super Bowl victory early in his career. That would go to their defense. So when all those concessions didn't produce the desired results and the Seahawks returned their trademark conservative approach, he began hinting that he'd like to be somewhere else. Maybe worse, he didn't come right out and say it, but played a cat and mouse game letting the innuendo go unchecked. It is not unlike Kyrie Irving and how he conducted himself with the Cleveland Cavaliers and again with the Boston Celtics and again with the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie has consistently been more focused on what is being asked of him than what he is willing to give. I saw the same with Russell Wilson. It doesn't make either one of them bad guys per se, but it also doesn't exactly endear them to the people looking to them to make their team a success. Or, at the very least, a team that they can root for. Now, to make sure I wasn't misreading the situation, I checked with a friend of mine who is a longtime devout Seahawks fan. And he confirmed my suspicion. Seahawks fans came to see Wilson as greedy and self-absorbed and somewhat disingenuous when it came to his proclamations of being devoted to the Seattle faithful. He was devoted to a point. And that doesn't sit well with ride-or-die fans. The proof that the Seahawks fans didn't boo him simply because he left, but because of how he left, will be tested when linebacker Bobby Wagner returns to, the Se- to Seattle with the Los Angeles Rams. We're going to have to wait a minute to see that because the Rams don't visit the Seahawks until January 8th, the very last game of the season. But my friend, my friend assured me that Wagner will be received warmly and given a returning hero's welcome. Because, one, Wagner was always forthright. He was always genuine, and he didn't ask to leave. He wasn't hinting that the Seahawks were no longer good enough, or even that he didn't like that Russell Wilson had taken over the team. So if they boo Wagner, then we will revisit all of this. But I don't expect that we're going to have to. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And like I said, in the next episode, it may be on Ime and the Boston Celtics and all that is going on there. Or I may take a look 
at the MVP odds, who the favorites are, and give you a couple of names that, again, if you're interested in wagering on smart bets, these are the ones that you'll want to go after. already have a few ideas, but we'll see what comes first. The Udoka and Celtics saga or those MVP odds, or perhaps something in the meantime will pop up. Until then, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.